Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. Why do you think that executives don't default to this? Because it's uncomfortable. Because in the moment, it always feels like a little nausea inducing. You just get this feeling, like, oh, I just don't want to have this conversation. In this episode of Your Finest Hour, I, John Roberts, interview client Kevin Stoffman, COO of Navigator CRE, and his Novus Global coach, David Gerber. Kevin outlines for us his successful career journey in real estate and how he came to be the COO of a startup that is hoping to change the way the industry works. Through his story, Kevin highlights the major impact coaching has had on how he views success, growth mindset, surrounding yourself with people asking bigger questions, and how he ultimately transitioned from a how do I win mindset to a how do we win mindset. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. This is John Roberts from Novus Global, and I'm joined by Novus Global partner and executive coach David Gerber and his client, Kevin Stoffman from Navigator CRE. Say hello, everybody. Hey, everyone. Hey, all. Great to be on. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us today. We have we have a good amount of time just to unpack your story, and, and that's actually where I would love to start. Not your whole life story, but if you could give context for who you are and what you do and what you're up to in the world and maybe maybe five to six minutes and and as you as you walk through it i might poke at different things or ask different questions but basically if you could give five to six minutes on how we got to where we are today so the year was 1981 no i'm kidding all right uh look i've, I've spent the last 17 i guess now 18 years post-college in and around either adjacent to, to commercial real estate. So my every job that I've had up to this point has in some way, shape or form touched commercial real estate. A, a few years at Morgan Stanley in their financial services group with real estate transactions, then I got an MBA, then I spent 10 years in management consulting, a variety of firms. My job was basically to advise, you know, the same clients I'm advising today on what technology they should be using to help their companies perform better. And at each job that I changed over these last 18 years, my title got a little bit better, my responsibility level was a little bit higher, and then eventually I began you know, managing people under me. And I went from you know, single contributor to team leader to now today a, a C-level of executive of a growing company. And I don't exactly know when I got to the point where I realized how much I don't know, but yeah. that shift, I think, was when I became a real leader, was when I, I realized I don't actually know a lot. There's so much I don't know. And Yeah, let's pause. There. I don't know. We're three minutes into the podcast, but that's, a, that's, that's one that everyone can take away from. So say that again. I finally realized what it meant to be a leader when, when you had that aha moment of, I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there's this concept that I learned through coaching, but it, I feel like I've been taught before where there's this just vast universe of knowledge about a particular subject. And at some point you realize how little of that big circle you actually know. And the more of it you learn, the more value you can provide to employees, clients, partners, competitors, investors, friends. Uh, but you don't need to know all of it, but you do need to realize just how vast that pool of information is if you're really going to be good at what you do. That could, frankly, we do a lot of these podcasts and that that concept right there, we could we could end it after four minutes and just... <laughs> Like take take that concept and go apply it to anywhere. I, I want to ask a couple. Thanks. I want to ask <laughs> a good. couple questions. Kevin, sit back down. I want to ask a couple <laughs> questions. Uh, I'm going to ask David a question, but Kevin, I also want you to answer, which is during coaching because because you work with David Gerber at Novus Global, one one of our top coaches. 
I want to say, do you remember when that concept first landed with you and, and what was the feeling like around that? Because I, I can imagine that can either be incredibly exciting and a whole new world will open up or I can imagine there can be like, no, 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 I've, for 18 years, I've been the expert and I need to know the most and I need to have all the answers. So think about that. And I actually want to ask David Gerber, based on what Kevin just said, do you remember these moments in coaching? Do you remember getting near this and what that experience was like? Uh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, well, and it starts even with, so I actually met Kevin, it was at an event. Well, actually, we met at a, we met for lunch, and then we we went to the Texas State Fair that night <laughs> uh, with a group of people, and uh, it was thrilling. And this was all pre-COVID, and so we got to have all the fried things and 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 whatnot that night. And uh, and and even that night, we began having conversations about this and around just what you don't know, you don't know. What's all the information in the circle? How do we lead people? And do it really well. And I, what I, one thing that struck me about Kevin was he was really curious about it. He was just really open to that. And so, when I first had emailed him about about working together and and taking some of those challenges head on, he was just like, "Let's go, game on, let's play." And he just dove in. And I love that about his his attitude is is one of like a growth mindset for sure. Versus we talk about a distinction in coaching of growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And Kevin definitely had that growth mindset. He was really curious about how can we how can we lead these things better? And sometimes I know for him, some of it came out of a desire to lead better. And sometimes it comes out of frustrations and challenges that you're facing in, in the workplace of how do we do this thing really well? We've got this idea for this, this business that we think could change the world. And, and how do we actually execute on it? Well, because you could have a great idea and if you can't execute that great idea could fall flat. And so I saw that drive in him, that curiosity. Kevin, did you have as much fun at the state fair as David did? <laughs> For, for those unfamiliar with the Texas State Fair, it is because <laughs> everything's bigger in Texas, of course. It's <laughs> massive carnival with a bunch of rides and midway games that are you know, basically pseudo rigs. They continue to take your money as you buy dumb stuffed animals. But the most important part of the State Fair is that the there's this like almost unlimited variety of food. But the caveat is that everything must be fried. I mean, maybe there's something that's not fried at State Fair, but just everywhere you look, it's like fried Oreos, fried corn dogs, fried vegetables, fried, fried everything. Fried Snickers. In, a, in, like, in that environment where it's a, you know, carnival rides and midway games and fried food, you don't really imagine you're going to have like a deep intellectual discussion about the, the current events of the day. Yeah, that's exactly what this group of people we were, we were doing in this environment. So it was just really interesting to have that kind of conversation in that environment. And that's when, when I knew that, okay, if I, can, if I can do this here, man, I can really go deep and have good conversations, David, like in, in a you know, more holistic environment. There's a separate conversation there that, that we may or may not get to today, but it's surrounding yourself with groups of people that are asking bigger questions. And I don't think it's an accident that you two were at the state fair with a group of people that happened to be asking the bigger questions. And so that might even be as people are listening to your story, Kevin, and they're, they're, Hey, that's interesting. Oh, how do I do that? How might I ask those questions? You know, what, what is it that I don't know? Um, you both, you both came to a point in your life where you were surrounding yourselves with certain groups of people that I find that interesting. I think we all realized during COVID that we have a lot busier schedules and a lot more limited time out in the environment due to, you know, various restrictions and whatnot that hey, just don't have the time to just go and have continue high level conversations with people about the weather or uh, other innocuous things that like they're fine for the first three minutes of, of every Zoom call. I feel like I have with clients, but after that, like I want to have more meaningful conversation because time is short. And like, if I'm not going to have really, really important, valuable conversations with people, I'd rather spend that time with other activities, with, with, with my family, with, with fitness, with entertainment, right? I like, I, I want every minute to be valuable from a social utility perspective. And so this group that we were hanging out with a, a networking group called Alder, uh, they have these types of conversations all the time. And I, I found it super valuable and thank God, because that's you know, how I met Dave and he became a coach. 
That's great. So would you, that sounds like a recommendation to, to anyone listening is look, look for that. You know, A, do you consider your time valuable? B, how can you use it to, to whatever it is that you're trying to do? I want to go back a little bit because at the start of the podcast, you were, you know, giving us the resume a little bit, sort of 18 years. I don't know if you want to speak to it, but a question for me is why real estate? Like, how did we go from college into real estate? And then what I really don't want to miss is you have a really impressive resume. MBA, some of the biggest firms playing at the top of these markets. And, and I believe you and I've spoken once before, you were consulting some of the top players in the industry. And so you rattled through that in about 10 seconds. But if you could, if you could give a bit of context to even that journey and take us through that, maybe your mindset as you went through that, what you were yeah. aiming for. Well, so I did my undergrad down at Austin at University of Texas, and this was 2000 to 2004. So that I was in college during the 9-11 attacks, during what was the, the kind of Enron and Arthur Anderson crisis. And so you had a lot of, of chaos in the markets. Um, stock market went up and went way down and started recovering. And I, because of that, thought, I'm not sure I want to be strictly in financial services. What other industries could be exciting? And without really noticing until the end, I, like, I realized Austin as a city had changed and had transformed quite a bit in just the four years I was there. It began going vertical. All of these small row houses that were popular with uh, college students were, were being bought, bulldozed, and then multifamily complexes being built because it was a valuable opportunity. And I thought, wow, how crazy to think that a uh, um, an environment can, you know, change before your eyes. The, the places we live, the places we work, the places we play. I, I should be in that industry. How old were you when you were seeing this? So this was from what eighteen to twenty-two. I love, I love that you're in undergrad college and you're looking around at, you know, the financial landscapes of the economy, and you're seeing, you're seeing value. To me, that's what I hear. I see a human that's seeing the value, and I'm thinking back to my undergrad where I was like focused on what I was doing the next day. I love people that, that are so a part of what's going on and they see that it's, it's a different lens to me. Would you say, A, do you think that's true that, that you see the world in a unique way where you, see, you, you know, macro, micro, you see what's going on? Would you agree with that? To a degree. I, yeah. I was definitely still thinking about, okay, what bar are we going to yeah. uh, this evening? Or uh, am I going to be able to go to hang out with that sorority or this, this, this networking group or that? Or am I going to go to the football game? I definitely still enjoyed college quite a bit. But I did have the benefit of having a couple cousins who were five, six years older. And so they had careers and some of them weren't happy and some of them were really happy. And it was clear that the people who were really happy picked an industry that they were intrigued by, cared about, and that meant that they were working longer hours and they were, they were putting in the effort because they actually cared about their job. It wasn't like, oh, I got to do this because I got to make some money. Very cool. Hey, there was some thought and some reasoning and some, some foresight into why you picked your industry. Once again, if anyone's listening, find people that are farther ahead of you that are already doing something and then glean wisdom off of them. What do you think made you a top performer in your chosen career? This is sort of getting us into the present day, but but what made you effective? Like, why, why did you have so much success moving from one thing to the next, getting to where you are now, would you say? Great mentors and great feedback. Great mentors. So I had a, a sounding board, people to go to that weren't my direct boss, weren't just family members, was but just people that through the years I've, I've, I've met and respect. And I could ask questions that I didn't feel comfortable asking inside my company because I felt like it'd be stupid. Now I have the benefit of knowing I should, you know, just, just go ask because I, I respect my employees a lot when they ask wow. me a bunch of, of, of heartfelt questions. Cause then I know like, I, I just, I know that they care um, yeah. by asking me questions. And, and if they don't, I think oh, they don't even care enough to inquire. So I, I, I like, you know, I, I like that I had people to ask questions to. Also, for some, I don't know if it was the way I was raised or just my general personality, I respond very differently to feedback. When someone gives me praise, that motivates me and excites me. But when someone gives me constructive feedback, what some people might sometimes call negative feedback, 
I always used it as an opportunity to learn from it or, or to prove them wrong. Where did that come from? When, like, were you, are you just born that way or, you know, did I never, I don't remember ever taking a class, like here's how to handle feedback, but I've definitely noticed with the benefit of 18 years of hindsight, people that like internalize feedback deeply and they get really defensive and they look for someone else to blame they might still be successful, but man, it, man, it really slows you down, right? You like get inside your own head. You stop being productive. Uh, when you turn that around and somebody gives you a piece of feedback and you think, thank you for that, man, you just saved me a potentially even larger nightmare. If I messed up at one client and you're telling me now, oh, now I'm not going to make that mistake. Any other clients, because you told me about it. Like, thank you. That's what I want. Yeah. Viewing feedback as a gift. Yeah. David, I want to bring you back into the conversation because, and, and maybe you two can converse around this and maybe hit the tennis ball back and forth. But Kevin, you were, you were probably going to be successful without working with a coach. Would you say that's true with or without a coach? You, you know, you, you had 18 years of, of proven success. You were likely going to go on to be successful. Would you agree with that? I, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's fair. And so then something that I'm curious about with you is whenever us coaches get to work with incredibly talented leaders, um, they have systems built for success already, right? It's like, it's like, they're not broken. They're, they're built for success. And I don't know if you and David have discovered this, but often part of their success system actually starts to get in their way of going to that next level, either of performance or leadership. So I would love to pass it over to both of you to say, have you guys found any any of those old success systems, uh, maybe of, of, of how it used to work for him and now it gets in his way of going to the next level? Maybe David, if you could if you could take the lead on that, maybe start from from when you first started working with Kevin. What did you see in him? What did you see in him that made you want to invest your time and energy into into what he was up to? And then maybe how what got you excited about how he might be getting in his own way? I like where your questioning was going there. And, and what's what's helpful about that is to say, like we say this a lot with coaching is Kevin was probably going to be successful anyways. And so then the question is, well, why coaching? If you're already going to be successful, like what's the point of, why would you want to put more weight on the bar? Why would Kevin want to carve out 45 minutes a week to, to meet with a coach, which is going to cause him to create commitments that are probably going to be outside of his comfort zone and all these things, right? So there's a point of it where it's like, why coaching? And and so you, we had to define when we first started early on talking about this conversation around coaching is what would make the coaching worth it? Or what would make, we oftentimes say like, uh, what would make the pain count, right? So if you're going to hire a trainer, typically that means that your time at the gym is going to be more painful and you're going to work out harder and what would make that worth it? And so at that point, usually with the trainer, you're going for a certain physique or you're going for weight loss or muscle gain or body fat percentage going down. And so with Kevin, we worked with that early on as to say, like, why the heck would you do this? And it's a really fun conversation because it, it figures out what is that gap between how Kevin's going to, to grow and, uh, and succeed on his own in his own right without any coach ever. And how might Kevin succeed in how he shows up to, to participate fully in the coaching process. So this was so you're describing a vision expansion conversation at the yeah. start of this. What what would be possible in, in working together? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what would be possible, and then, um, and and I, I might throw it to Kevin even to look at for him to talk about more in terms of um, like what were some of those success systems. I mean, I, there's ones that I'm thinking of in my head, but I'm I'm a little more intrigued with like for him, and then I can wrap back around. But I'd love to hear what what he has to say about what those success systems were. To me, that question is mainly, hey, Kevin, you know, how did you used to get in your way? And then what are all the new ways you're inventing of getting in your way? But I actually want to stay on this vision expansion and sort of when you guys first got together. And and the question, Kevin, that I that I would love for you to speak to is what what got you convinced to work with David Gerber as your coach? I assume some vision that you guys came up with together had you send him an email to say, hey, I'm in, let's go do this together. What was that like, the vision expansion? Well, I, I'll, I'll, first I'll use the fitness example because I always like that one. Uh, if you do the same routine over and over and over again, you don't see the gains you saw when you first 
started, whether that's with weight training or cardiovascular training. I did a lot of triathlons and stuff. And I noticed that if I didn't change up the routine every few months, it, working harder didn't help. I just, you know, it was just the same. I'd plateau. And I think becoming an executive, I was unprepared for what it was going to mean to manage a, a big group of very different people. When I was at Deloitte, I had a very nice title and I was on the road and I spoke on stage a bunch across, I don't know, it could be thousands of people in the audience sometimes. And I'd be you know, Singapore speaking at a conference. It was really, really cool. But I didn't have to deal with all the blocking and tackling that went on with planning the event, right? I just appeared and I showed up. I was a player, right? And thank God for Deloitte for giving me a bunch of like media training. So I was prepared for that stuff. That's a different story for different podcasts, that first experience. Uh, <laughs> but when I got to Navigator, it wasn't just like, hey, you're going to manage some people. It's, hey, this is a, a recently funded, rapidly growing software startup. You are employee number 10. By the way, you're overseeing sales, operations, and fundraising. So it's all these different people we're going to eventually hire. They're going to have very different roles and responsibilities, very different incentive systems, and you got to manage them all because you're COO and welcome to this life. And I thought, okay, there's two ways I can do this. I can take everything I've learned at Deloitte and EY and Morgan Stanley and my MBA and whatever, and just try to figure it out as I go. And I'll probably learn a lot and I'll fail fast and that's fine. Or I can leverage somebody who already coaches people who have gone through this journey before. And maybe I can get some wonderful advice to not be perfect, not, not get in my own way, but maybe have a higher chance of success or, or a quicker path to results than I would have on my own. Yeah, Kevin, you sound extremely aware. Like I would give you a high awareness score of what you were stepping into and sort of the, the few options that you had to move forward. David, when you hear him describe it that way, what comes up for you? I, I think the yeah, the biggest thing was like he's he's had a proven track record of success with Deloitte, Morgan Stanley, EY, MBA, that type of thing. And now he's he's playing a whole new game, right? So he's jumping into this whole new game where he's gonna be managing other people. So there's one thing when you're a consultant and and conducting with yourself and primarily you're responsible for like, you know, again, showing up, playing and leaving. Now you're like, you know, you're the head coach, you're the GM kind of position on that, in that, that, uh, equation. And, and so what I, what I love though, like to, to echo what you said, John, Kevin's very aware and he's very connected to like what, where's, you know, he's strong at and also like, Hey, here's areas where I'm not getting the results I want to let's target the, the coaching there. And so where we've, we've worked the most on is a lot of that interpersonal stuff, you know, commitments and, and actions from his team and, and what happens when his team isn't following through or isn't setting powerful commitments, things like that. And so that's what kind of comes to mind for me when, when I hear Kevin, you know, talk about that, that shift from the consulting world into COO world. Yeah. As you shifted, Kevin, and as you, it's almost like the vision expanded itself. It was almost like, there, yeah. it was like, hey, I'm about to do something I've never done before that is beyond me. And I've, I've chosen to reach out and, and, and get support in this way. And so I love that. A lot of the checklist of like what makes up an ideal coaching relationship, right? Bigger vision than someone could do on their own. That's a major one. What were some of your early, maybe early, what are, what are some of your either early or favorite aha moments in the coaching space? Maybe, maybe surprises, maybe, maybe, you know, gaps that you didn't think were there, but then maybe that were exposed through coaching. Does anything stick out to you? Yeah, this, uh, the acronym FACTS, yes, <laughs> that was a, that was a, a, a really big one. Because on its face, it sounds like a lot of negative words. Like, what are you frustrated about? What are you avoiding? What are you complaining about? What are you talking For the listeners, FACTS is an acronym that stands for frustrated, avoiding, complaining, tolerating, and then S is scared of. So FACTS, and uh, that's a tool that we use in coaching. And Kevin, get back to telling us why you love it. Uh, I love it because on its face, it's like it's pointing out all of the things that I I don't really want to talk about as an executive. I'm so used to every day, everything's great, 
we're crushing it. We're growing at triple digits. Hey, investors, give us all your money. Hey, clients, sign up yesterday. Hey, employees, leave your current job, work for us. Hey, partners, of course, you're making the right decision. Hey, competitors, maybe just stop doing what you're doing because we're kidding. <laughs> but then you have to confront the reality that like not everything's going perfectly. Not everyone is delivering on their commitments, sometimes even myself. And, and confronting where did things go wrong, where did things fail, and not getting defensive about it, and finding out how you can be better. And making sure you do that every single week because you might have a great discussion about it and then it, it's on your mind and you're building a habit for a couple of days, but then you get distracted because client deliverables and conferences and, and stuff going on at home with family and you get distracted and then you forget, oh, another coaching session next week. Let's revisit some of the stuff that you that you slash Kevin have conveniently forgotten or blocked or out or put in, this, in the back of the mind and then revisit that. So, so you, you build these effective and important habits in the business. Yeah, I think, I think you're on to something. Even for anybody considering working with a coach, imagine if you had somebody that was committed to invite you into looking at your frustrations, all, all, all the things that you don't normally look at. We don't look at those, right? We don't look at those. And you're a testament and what you're speaking to is, nope, there's so much value. There's so much we can learn from. Often, I would assume there are a lot of actions and answers that flowed out of that. And so, David, tell us from your side, you know, watching this guy who's a go-getter, he's a high performer, what was it like? And do you have any stories about when you, when you had the opportunity to slow him down to start to look at more of the gaps and, and it's not always sunny and rosy, but instead, Hey, there, there are things that we don't know. Do you have any, any memories or, or stories that you could share with us from that? Well, yeah. And I would piggyback off the, off of the facts conversation with what he was saying, because there was, there was a point in there, for instance, where, um, one, because one of the things we say about facts is it's a portal into a person's vision. And so when we're coaching clients, a lot of times the, the big shift is having them, when they notice a frustration, a complaint, a toleration, a fear, how do you get excited about that? When I'm complaining myself or when I, my team is complaining, the natural tendency of almost anybody is when you have your team complaining, 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 or frustrated all the time, there's a natural tendency to resist that. Let's take the sales team, for example. There's, there's a tendency, right? So they, if, if they're not performing or not hitting their numbers or whatever it is, and they're complaining about whatever, you know, again, we, this could probably work for any company in, in America where that's coming up. What we wanted to do and, and what Kevin was willing to do was to tweak that. And when he heard complaints or frustrations or fears from his team, it was like listening to that and then in upgrading that and flipping it into a vision. And so he could ask himself, what is my vision? Now I have this complaint about my team, I have this complaint about customers, I have this complaint about whatever, to not label it as like bad and have that pull your energy down and exhaust you. But it's like, it's a, like a North star of like, to my vision. So it's like, okay, I notice I'm complaining about something. So then what is my vision? Right? Well, how would I love for, if I could wave a magic wand, how would I change this thing? How would I change my team? And then inviting his team to do the same. So when they would have a complaint or a frustration, how do they upgrade that into a vision of what they wanted? That was what something that happened specifically with Kevin recently, actually. And what's fun is he actually had me come on and do... So one of his coaching calls, he invited his whole sales team on. And we talked about the, the difference between comfort versus a growth mindset. Because one of the things he, he was noticing with his team was, you know, because you can imagine with the sales team, if, if you're not you know, performing as well as, 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 the, you know, so, as the team would like there's either accountability structures or there's things that are amiss there. And so what can tendency to happen was, was like, we avoid those conversations because it's comfortable. We avoid the accountability conversations. We avoid the, the like looking at the X's and O's and saying, this doesn't add up to what we need to. And so there was a, there's a drift into comfortability. And so then Kevin and I had one of our coaching sessions where we talked a lot about what would it look like to upgrade the comfort into growth mindset. And he was like, man, this is really good. Can we, you know, can we talk to my whole team about this? I was like, great, bring them on to your next coaching call. And so that was way that he took a frustration or complaint, flipped it into a vision. And then we rolled it out to him and his team of like, what does a growth mindset look like versus comfort? And then what's fun is they all committed to after that session that we did together, they all committed to have an uncomfortable conversation with Kevin 
or a growth conversation. It was really exciting to see what was what's coming from that because then now they had this portal to jump into where it was like, hey, listen, all of our conversations aren't going to be comfortable. In fact, they're going to be growth-minded, which means they're going to be uncomfortable. And I'm going to challenge you because I'm advocating for you. So we just we just got a real-time case study <laughs> of what the coaching work looks like as it expands outside of just a coach and an executive and, and actually into the company. Is that, a, is that a fair way of describing that? Yeah, that uh, that's what I experienced. And Kevin can speak for his experience. But I, I get really excited in those moments because... When you can see it go from like the person, if I'm coaching an executive, to see it, it begin to seep into the the, the culture of the company, because that's when you can see things really start to light up and people really start to get a hold of it. But Kevin, what are your thoughts on that? It was that last piece that I thought was so important. It was like, I, I'm giving you this feedback because I actually care about you. Like if I didn't care, if I was indifferent to whether you succeeded as my team member or as my team member giving me feedback as if if I didn't care that you succeeded as an executive I would just keep my mouth shut and I would put my head down and I would just do the bare minimum to get by but we we have built a relationship at least I think we have and it seems like we have with me and my team that I I want them to provide feedback I want them to say when something doesn't feel right because that makes us better as a team and as a company. What if one call could change what you once thought was impossible into a reality? Novus Global is offering you an exploration call with one of their world-class coaches to explore what you as a leader and your team are capable of. Novus Global is an elite executive coaching firm that works with multi-billion dollar companies, professional athletes, nonprofit leaders, and faith in government, all to create teams, companies, and communities that go beyond high performance. Book your call right now, just go to novus.global forward slash now. Kevin, let me ask you about this because I think what you're building at your company and with your team is heroic, frankly. Like what you're describing of a, of a company culture where people can have complaints, have frustrations, talk about them openly, choose what we're going to do with them. I'm like, wow, can you imagine if every human being had the privilege of working for an executive that fostered that type of culture. So based on your experience and, and where you've come from, what keeps this from happening? Like what keeps this, this, this facts loop, this flow of feedback in a culture? Why do you think that executives don't default to this? Because it's uncomfortable. Because in the moment, it always feels like a little nausea inducing you, you you just get this finished i'm like oh, i just don't want to have this conversation with this guy or this girl like i they didn't step up in the last meeting uh i'm frustrated by it and it would be so much easier if i just blocked it out of my mind and kept going they're going to figure it out they're going to they're going to figure it out on their own no they won't like if you just have the conversation and, and give them the opportunity did you feel like that call went how you hoped it would and then just give them the opportunity to express lessons they might have learned on their own. And because they, maybe they already know, but give that, create that space to have that conversation. And in, in return, ask, did I do everything you were expecting me to do? Really make it 360. Because if you don't make it 360, they won't volunteer their honesty yeah. because they won't feel like you're volunteering your honesty too. Yeah. And I think people can sense that. And so, so why more companies, why more executives, why more cultures have a, have a closed feedback loop? They don't have open communication. You're saying is from discomfort. I would add one other thing. Today's digital social communication environment, it doesn't seem very conducive to a, you know transparent, honest dialogue and debate. It, do, it sure seems like the loudest voices get the most space on a lot of different platforms. Those folks are often looking for people to violate some sort of dogma or, or you know, like a purity test or exercise and you get punished for that. And if all you ever see on these platforms is punishment for violating whatever box you're supposed to fit into it for what, whatever your orientation is, your political beliefs are, your religious faith, whatever, if you fall outside that box, you seem to get punished. So, so people don't want to have 
um, transparent conversation that puts them outside the box. And I just think, at least at Navigator, we, we want to think differently because diversity of thought and perspective is the only way we're going to be able to scale sustainably as a company. Wow. That, that phrase, say it again, diversity of thought. Was that diversity of thought culture or? Yeah. D- diversity of thought, culture, and opinion. It is an opinion. You want a healthy discourse. You you encourage. If we all agree, we're probably doing something wrong. And that's because we're in the real estate business, right? We are providing information to commercial real estate owners, operators, investors. If you think about what that covers, that's the the buildings we go to work in every day. If we're returning to the office, the places we go buy things and by experiences. It's also uh, involves the places that we live and spend most of our time. No matter if we're, if we're working or playing or just living, we are interacting with real estate. That's going to involve a bunch of different people, right? Yeah. Different sexual orientations, different age groups, different political classes, different wow. economic classes. And if we're going to be successful as an enterprise, we need to speak to a lot of those different audiences to value our software. And I can't do that if it's just one single-minded focus and thought across the entire company. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't think about courageous masters of communication and feedback being uh, the key to your success in the real estate industry. But <laughs> you mentioned something earlier. You said the reason people don't do it is because it's uncomfortable. Based on your now experience, and, and you and you and David have been coaching together for a while now, and you're now implementing uh, this into your team, do you think it will always be that uncomfortable feeling, or have have you noticed it, it becoming more enjoyable, or is this just kind of the the cost of doing business? I think there will always be a certain level of discomfort, and I would say that's a requirement. If 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 there's ne- if there's not any discomfort, I I'm probably cutting corners on the types of coaching topics we're talking about. Some things get a lot easier to talk about over time. If we, if we keep revisiting the, uh, I let my team slide on this one, or I broke a commitment and I didn't volunteer that I broke it with my team members because I didn't want to talk about it. That stuff gets easier to address. So maybe we turn it back to the gym metaphor and it's always painful and uncomfortable because that tells you that you're growing. But for those that do like going to the gym, they love going to the gym. It becomes almost their favorite thing. Isn't that kind of, it's, that's kind of what you're describing is, hey, it's probably always going to be painful and uncomfortable but Kevin and his team at Navigator get to go do it every day. They get to come together. They get to put in the work. They get to the pain and the soreness and, and all of that in order to go and do something. And, and maybe David or Kevin, the, the vision of Navigator is, is big, if, if I understand it right. It's, it's frankly, to, to remake industry, how an industry works. Is that, is that fair to say what you guys are up to? It, so it's funny, we, we talked about long-term vision, current reality gap. And so there's the, the vision that I have with David and coaching, which is just time-bound. It's what do, I, what do we want to accomplish in 2022, right? And that's basically triple revenue. And there's a, a, a bunch of other things. The long-term vision is, yes, we would like to be recognized as the industry platform for data management analytics. We want everyone regardless of whether they own real estate, they invest in it, they operate it, they manage it, or they occupy it, to come to Navigator at the start of their day to evaluate information that will help them make decisions better and faster. Well, that there's a lot of steps to get from where we are today with you know 40 enterprise clients to becoming the solution that everybody uh, globally yeah. is using. Yeah. yeah, but that's, it's a, it's a fantastic place to be. You sound like you're present to what you're up to, you know, just small goals like tripling revenue, no big deal. But then also, hey, we come together as a team with our eyes set uh, to remake an industry. One through line I'm hearing, and, and you guys can punt if, if this doesn't fit, but you said it earlier, it's, hey, I used to think more, you know, what do I need to do? You know, what am I up to? What are my goals? And then you said, becoming a C-suite executive that doesn't work anymore. It's now we. So you went from this I to we thinking, and now you're thinking more culturally. 
did that just happen one day or did that happen through coaching? It, you know, is David telling you to think about the we? Could, could you guys speak more to that? And, and is that involved in your coaching or is that just an accident that you've now gone from thinking from an I to a we mindset? So nothing is an accident with uh, okay. old, old, old Dave Gerbs here. Uh, he's, <laughs> very, he's a very good, very good process. And, and I think part of the process is we got to know each other as people before he became my coach. So there was like a rapport uh, built there. So I knew that he wasn't just giving me some repetitive system that he'd read out of a book. This was like he knew me as a person before he knew me as an executive. And therefore, he brought helpful perspective. But to answer your question directly, uh, I think I noticed before I came to Navigator that if I worked really hard myself, I could go really fast to get something done. But then I would hit a wall, right? If I yeah. didn't know the answer. It was like, boom, I can go really fast into the wall. Yeah. Or if I work with other people, maybe it's not quite as fast, but we can go much further, right? And I, there's, I'm sure there's a quote, some cliche about, you know, you can go fast alone and far together, something along those lines. Uh, I think our co-founder, Russ, has said that multiple times because he is a very strategic thinker. And I, I totally agree with that mindset. But now I've lived it. Yeah. Now I've seen in real time, sometimes with some real scar tissue, that you can accomplish a lot one time when it's an emergency and you just got to get it done. And that's great. But if you didn't involve anybody else in the process, nobody else learned how to do it. So if you encounter the same situation again, guess who's responsible for getting it done? Same dude who decided not to teach the other people how it could get done together. So you might be doing yourself a favor as I on the, in the short term, but you're not doing yourself any favors uh, unless you're we long term. I wonder, I'm thinking bigger than Navigator now. I'm thinking more of just, you know, how corporations are set up. We, we promote and we celebrate the individual, right? The individual that gets it done the fastest, that's the best performer. And then what happens when they get into these, you know, these management positions, these executive management positions where their old system no longer works? And it's almost like, how do you begin at the lowest levels of a company, do what you're saying, right? To, to see the bigger picture to commit to the more we, what does the system look like there? It's, it's a fascinating clash of, of, of how companies are set up. Well, this really hits home in real estate because most, there are a lot of very, very successful, very wealthy professionals in the commercial real estate business that make their money as individual contributors. They are uh, you know, high end commercial real estate brokers. So their compensation is directly related to the volume of transactions hmm. that get completed. And at some point, like some folks, they, they, they build like larger sophisticated teams and the teams get, get payouts. But that individual contributor focus happens in, even decades into some people's careers. In Navigator, we think about it very differently uh, because we're not charging our clients based on a transaction or a user license or an integration, right? A company pays us for a license and we give the entire company licenses, including, yeah. right? We want adoption, we want long-term improvement. So I can't expect my team members to take that, you know, hired gun approach and then pay them commissions and hope that they're gonna add value to our company longer term. So we don't pay commission. Everybody in the company that was part of a deal, whether that was helping process the information, helping visualize the information, helping customer success, helping sell the deal, helping expand the deal. Everyone at Navigator owns equity in Navigator. Wow. They're from, from CEO down to junior analyst, everybody wow. has shares because we need people to realize we've all got to be rowing the same yeah. direction uh, if we're going to be successful. That's once again, to, to, to keep, repeating all the amazing things you're saying, but it's like things don't happen by accident. And uh, the way you guys are structuring that is not happening by accident. It's almost like you're seeing the potential pitfalls and the gaps of the future. And you're, you're, you're making moves now in order to avoid those. 
to me, that's an in, be, it goes beyond industry. It's almost like how commerce is set up. And, and I think it's what a lot of executives now are, <laughs> as people are asking the question, you know, who do they want to be and what do they want to do with their life? I make up nat- places like Navigator will be more sought after as far as places of employment and, and really, especially places of growth. Probably like I think I see more and more as I talk to people, people are saying, you know, who, you know, what type of person I'm going to be, am I going to be after working there five years or, you know, what are the questions that I'm going to answer while being here? I want to shift it back over and, and get David's perspective because I'm always fascinated by a client's perspective and a coach's perspective. David, what are some of your favorite parts of getting to work so closely with such a successful executive and, and with the with the the how big their vision is? I, I think I mean it's it's we get to do when we get to do this coaching work, we get like really like a like a really close seat to like seeing magic happen and transformation happen. And um, and so like what I Sometimes I just pinch myself because I get to be in these spaces with people and get to see that happen. So Kevin's a COO, right? So it's it's um it's a very far-reaching impact that he gets to have on the company as they grow. They're at you know whether it's fifty or hundred employees, and then they'll grow to two hundred, and and it's really fun to see that. And and when somebody like Kevin really grasps a hold of the like the coaching work and the ownership mindset and the growth over comfort it's so fun to see and so like i've i've just been it's really an honor and a privilege to me to be in that space with somebody and see them grind it out grind out the like the tendency to want to avoid that uncomfortable situation but then step into it anyways and learn to grow even like at the last offsite we were with their team there was those moments right where it's like Man, I'm I've now got myself into the damn gym. I've gotten myself under the bar. And I kind of want to leave. <laughs> like I kind of want to not want to be under the bar right now. But then when you see somebody do one more rep or one more rep and it's and and then they're they're grateful after the fact even they're like, "Man, I kind of wished I'd have left, you know, cuz it was getting uncomfortable." And it, I just love that because I know that that will impact somebody's marriage, their parenting, it'll impact their uh, if they have a you know a spiritual life or a fitness and health life, it's going to impact everything in their world when people begin to take that ownership for everything that they're creating in their in their reach. Did that answer your question, John? I, I think I'm, I might have went off the rails. No, but. no, no. All I, all I ask is what you know. What do you love about working with Kevin? So yeah. you could you could go on for hours, right? <laughs> but but the the part that you said at the very end, which was, I get to coach a very influential and and powerful executive who is committed to making an impact beyond revenue, you know, beyond building a company, but that's going to impact these people uh, at home and in their relationships. I think that's, that's a massive, one of my favorite parts about being a coach is I get to focus on one individual, you know, the Kevin's out there or, you know, a number of clients, you get to focus on one individual and then you get to watch that person go to work impacting thousands, right? The spider web effect. Uh, Kevin, do you, as a, as a leader in your company, do you sense that? Do you sense that your impact goes far beyond, you know, what you're doing at the company, that, you, that you're involved in, in the impact of the, their families and their lives and, and you know, what they're going to go on to do? Well, it's interesting because we're now, I was employee number 10 when I started and, and now we're almost 60 and I'm now getting to the point where I don't know who everyone's family is and and what they did this past weekend. Like now we, we had our headquarters in Seattle, an office in Dallas. We have an office just outside of LA in Hermosa beach. We opened up London in October and now we're looking at other EMEA region expansions and like the, the the breadth was wide. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I realize I'm how I interact with all these people. There's going to be downstream effects because they are doing I'm not in every meeting every more and anymore. I'm not in every sales meeting. I'm not in every deployment meeting. I'm not in every fundraising meeting. There are people now speaking on behalf of Navigator that report up to me. So hopefully the lessons that I'm learning here in coaching and I'm imparting to them, hopefully just a little bit of it is helping them be, become more effective because that's the value of the company. It sounds to me... It sounds to me like you're describing the next great challenge that you've earned the right to play. <laughs> the decisions that the C-suite makes, 
now has downstream effects. These are cultural decisions that will now impact hundreds. And then as the company grows, thousands. And then as you branch out in their families. So once again, it's like you earned the right for that next challenge. And, and, and I'm sure you and David will have so much fun doing that. So one other point I'll say that the value of the individual coaching is great. And yeah. like, I'm, I'm looking forward to even more of it here in 2022, but there's another component to it. And, and that's like having these offsites facilitated by third party coaching professionals. I now have a, you know, just a sample size of three, having done, you know, three annual offsites of the company. The first two we did, it was just the four executives. And I did feel like in the moment we made some progress, but anytime the conversation got even remotely uncomfortable, we would like table it. We would, I think we called it parking or we'll parking lot. For, <laughs> Put it in the parking lot. Future discussion. And I got to tell you that that parking lot, a lot of dead <laughs> got, got, full, got full pretty we, quick. We can't even jumpstart the vehicles there anymore because they've gathered so much dust and we never address. So, so, so Kevin, are you saying, are you saying that you think executives out there should have Novus Global come in and work <laughs> with their offsites? Is that what you're saying? 125%. In fact, so, so much though, that after that, that happened for our executive team and we got this oftentimes very uncomfortable set of conversations, but, but loved the result coming out of it. We're, we're bringing coaches to talk to the layer below the executive team. So it's not just, Hey team, we had this great experience. Now here's all these processes we want you to do. Now go do it. Just trust us. No, no, no. Yeah. We're bringing these professionals in to talk to who we think is the next layer of leadership and navigator as we grow another 15 people that we hope are the next leaders of navigators so that they can think about mindset in the same way. To me, I hear a commitment, a co keyword commitment to the culture we're building. And I, I come from a corporate background and I, I used to get so inspired from offsites. And then I used to get so depressed by how little follow through and how little change there actually was. And it was like, okay, let's, you know, let's do it again next year. And I think that's an amazing point, a commitment to what we're doing here. And, and I think that's a, a key through line to your coaching. I want to I wanna start wrapping us up. And, and, and the way I want to do it is I just want to quickly point out some of the, the nuggets of gold that you, you and David were speaking about. One is who are you surrounding yourself with and what questions are they asking? I think that that is incredible. Sort of your vision, you know. Most people are going to be successful at however they define that on their own. Choose a game worth being successful at, sort of the expansion of vision. David, any 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 other themes that you heard that you want to point out? I think the 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 like embracing the discomfort, embracing the growth mindset, yeah. embracing yeah. all that stuff is 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 really crucial. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that that we're adamant when we do trainings, like when we did the offsite with with um, the team recently, uh, was spending in the last couple of hours specifically on commitments, right? Is, is what is going to, cause that's where it's, it's great to talk about all these things and the challenge we have. And it's so easy to walk away and kind of had, Oh yeah, we had our offsite or whatever. And so we throughout the training or throughout the offsite. And then at the end, it's like, okay, so what are the commitments so that before we walk out of those doors, there's clear follow through and public accountability amongst whoever was in that, that offsite. And so I think that that's one of the other threads that we can pull through, which is a very growth-minded thing. It's very comfortable to be like, all right, sweet, like we did our thing for the year. We can feel good about it to how do we put more weight on the bar? How do we put ourselves in the gym? And that is commitments that are public-facing. And so the, the four execs that were there made commitments and they were in a public space, which was fun because then Kevin and I would look at those on follow-up coaching calls and say, are these things happening? And if not, why not? And that that right there... As, that's a great once again back to the gymnasium. The it doesn't matter the the <laughs> doesn't matter how amazing your equipment is, which in this case gym equipment is your your mindset tools, your growth tools. You know how good are your offsides? None of it matters unless there's follow through um, from all parties. And and Kevin, you and you and David and and the the way you guys play is a testament to that. Kevin, I want to close us with if there are people that are listening to this call. Um, that are thinking about their own growth, they're thinking about their own vision, they're thinking about their own career, they're thinking about their team maybe, 
Um, what would you, now that you've been, you've done it, right? You're a testament to coaching. You've done it. You've gotten to work with David Gerber, a Novus Global coach. What would you say to them? What would you recommend now that you've, you've taken the first step? Similar to any positive life habit, right? Uh, physical fitness or learning a new language or nutrition or meditation, whatever, the earlier you start doing it, the better off you're going to be and the more compounding value you're going to get. Uh, it never, never seemed to invest in ourselves enough. I know that's a cliche thing to say, but look, you know, investing in your sleep, investing in your, um, you know, nutrition and fitness and, and investing in coaching. Like I, I'll, I'll be honest, the, the, the first time I heard the concept of coaching, I really, I thought it was a lot of fluffy mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Yeah. Bunch of the, be- the best mumbo jumbo the headsets and they're just saying stuff that I feel like <laughs> a lot, but not really saying much. And like, like, what does this all mean? And, and then once you get in it and you live it and you see the impact it has on, look, it, it's impacted the way I interact with clients and investors, the way I interact with colleagues, the way I interact with my own friends and, and, and my family. And then the, like the commitments I make, and what's made that actually so much easier is not just the coaching, but we, we talked about that follow through of commitments, make it easy, make, make it accessible, right? If the, if, if the Peloton is in your bedroom, not a lot of excuses. You can probably <laughs> get on it pretty easily. You don't have to get in the car. You don't have to drive to the gym, right? whatever. Same thing with these commitments we made through coaching. We created a digital platform where the login information was saved. And the minute I opened up my computer, there's a little box with like critical dates and here they are. And it's just right there. It's so easy to track if we're on time, we're missing something and you could it easy enough, just add a comment, click save, everybody sees it. You make the user experience. So there's no excuse to not be able to make progress every single day on what you're doing. That is a beautiful way of saying it. David Gerber is the Peloton. Coaching. No, but, yes. uh, but start early, start early, invest in yourself, make it enjoyable, make it easy, make it enjoyable, make sure it's working. Those are all, those are all themes that I heard that you would recommend people consider. Yep. David, any closing thoughts to take us home here? I, I don't know. I think, I think I really, I don't want to take away from what Kevin said there with how he yeah. wrapped it up. I, I think that was really beautiful. And as always, it's a, it's an honor to be in the space with, with clients and uh, be a part of this world. Kevin, thank you so much that David and Kevin, thank you guys for, for opening up the relationship and, and, and showing us sort of what's going on and what you're up to. And so for anyone out there, anyone out there that wants to explore this conversation, absolutely reach out to Novus Global, absolutely find a coach Find somebody that you want to create a bigger vision with, expand the vision, expand the game you're playing, and then have fun getting on the Peloton every day and moving towards that vision. So thank you, everybody. That's it for today. All right, we have a few more things to let you know about before you go. First, podcast reviews really help us serve more people. So if this podcast is helpful for you, we'd love your help to get it into the hands of as many leaders as possible. Please leave us a review, even if it's not five stars. And if you really want to go the extra mile, let us know what you'd like to hear about more of or what you think we could do better to serve you and the people that you care about. We drop new episodes every week, so subscribe and watch us continue to learn to create resources that serve you powerfully. Speaking of resources, we have a lot online and they're all free. We have free assessments, educational videos, articles from sources like Fast Company written by our coaches and clients, all designed to help you use our tools in your everyday life and leadership. To dive into the free treasure trove of goodies we have for you, go to novus.global and then click on resources. Some of you have been listening for a while and you haven't yet taken that next step to hire a coach. This is your time. I can't tell you how often I've heard from hundreds of clients around the world that they wish they would have talked to us sooner. If you have a sense that you're capable of more, we would be thrilled to explore what coaching could do for you and those you influence. To start that journey, simply email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. You also might be listening to this and maybe you want to be a coach or maybe you already are a coach and you want to build a six or seven figure practice coaching people you love in a way that brings life to you and your clients. Well, that's why we created the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. It is an in-depth coaching apprenticeship designed to help you create the coaching practice of your dreams. The first step in exploring that is simple. Just go to 
www.mp.institute. That's www.mp, as in metaperformance.institute. And we have free assessments to help you see what kind of training you'd need to create a meta-performing coaching practice the way our coaches do at Novus Global. Head on over today. And finally, and for some of you, this will be the most important part. This podcast was produced by Rainbow Creative with Matthew Jones as senior producer and Jeremy Davidson as editor and audio engineer. We love working with these guys. To find out more about how to create a podcast for you and your business, check them out at rainbowcreative.co. Thank you so much for listening. We love making these for you. And remember, dare to go beyond high performance.